From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red platoon and the cat. I tell you what, boys, I forgot to do the Christmas version. Should we do the Christmas version? Yeah, of course, oh, let's we have should. It. Let's have it. <laughs> From Yarm to Yes! Yeah. Must have took you ages. To Hill, <laughs> to the, the creativity. <laughs> it knows no bounds. Steve and Such Ted. groundbreaking activity. Hey, I just wouldn't take the mick out of Daz. Daz has worked like that. He'll, he'll, he'll be after you. He'll be after you, fella, at the end. He'll be after me baubles. Oh, uh, yeah, he did. Oh, by the way, I've got to let you into a little secret about young Daz. Uh, he, was on a, he, was on a, he was on a massive high yesterday. It was young Daz. Oh. I can tell you now. Has he been probably... sniffing the marker pens again? Well, there you go. I think he was. Uh, because he went to the weekend, he went to go and see Go West in concert in Scarborough. You know, oh, yes. Go West as in, we close our eyes like Go West. And, yeah. half, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. halfway through the gig, they stopped the music, they turned to the crowd and they went, what a fantastic audience you are, you know, which you'd expect. I, I think that's yeah, a, yeah. a prerequisite for anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And then they went, and we'd just like to give a special shout out to our Daz from the Red Radio. We love you, Daz. What? We love the Red oh. Radio. How about, that? How about that? How about that? How much did that cost him? He's a friend of the stars now. <laughs> so he won't talk to us this morning, I'm telling you. He oh, won't talk to us. He's left us now. Yeah. Yeah. He's left well, us now. There you go. He's taking his jingle bells and off he goes. Yeah. And, and by the way, yeah. it's a true story. It actually happened. Well, I'm wow. Good on him. Yeah. I messaged him that last is... night. He said he was at the theatre. What's going on? He's getting all cultured. Oh, my goodness. Oh. The theatre. Yeah. The theatre. Oh, Unless lovely. he was in hospital and he was in theatre. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's more like it, isn't it? Oh, uh, dear, Doctor. So, I finished oh, off my recording dear. last night, lads. Oh, did you? Oh, well done, yeah. that man. I, I did. Yes. I did as well. Yep, I did as well. well we've got a, we've I'm got not a, happy. We've I'm got not a, happy with it. Why aren't you? Why aren't I hope, you? Well, I just hope, I hope Ted's vocals, you know, come true here because mine are that bad uh, that, you know, I'm lucky I don't have cats. Otherwise, I think I would have, like, sent them away the thing because the, I just I can't think. Dad said realized. mine were very good. Oh, no, he, well, there you go. He's just hey. being nice. Sitting down a mark, I think. He's scoring brownie points with a friend of the, of the stars. stars now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we've all got to score. That's just a nice... We've all, we've all got to behave ourselves and score brownie points to the, the man of the stars yeah. and the well-known groovy person. I know, person. right? That's it, yeah. All right. Yeah, dear. Anyway, he got the invitation. Right, he got the invitation we as well. It? By the way, fellas, he got the invitation after yeah, come backstage, so he went backstage. Uh, you know, met the boys, had a drink with them, and then they said, "We're coming up to Newcastle in a few months with Wet Wet Wet. Why don't you come and watch the two gigs?" It's like, no it's way. Like, Who's the stars of this show? Wow. Who's the, who are the stars of this very show? And Daz gets absolutely all absolutely incredible. I know. I know. As far as I was aware, it was Steve and Daz. That's you know, that's what the contract <laughs> said. That yeah. we respect Steve and Daz at all times. We're just the bucking dancers, aren't we, mate? We are, mate. Yeah. If we ever met in person, it's to, it's a bow before them. Uh, that's you know, kissing <laughs> of the ring. I heard as well. Was, so, excuse me. Oh, didn't yeah, define. God. Far too early. Far too early <laughs> in the morning. 
different in the UK, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rice fully oh. aware of that. Oh, when you start seeing I'm a celebrity get me out of the jungle, I'm telling you, things oh. are certainly different, aren't they? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, is, it is a big day for two of us, isn't it? It is a big day for two of us. We've got the Barra playing Preston tonight. Can you believe it? And then there's that other Champions League game on as well, apparently. So I've heard big things coming out of that way. But we got to talk, obviously, Champions League football. Newcastle off to Paris. He already in Paris. Uh, and some fans are uh, getting into a little bit of trouble there as well. So Good we follow, hope yeah. everyone's staying safe and uh, and yeah and just you know you know it's okay because we saw it with uh, with the last time that Newcastle fans were in Milan getting into a bit of trouble and we hate to see it when we've seen a little little bit of footage coming out now on social media of Newcastle fans getting into a bit of trouble in Paris. So hopefully we send all our love from the northeast to those guys and a big big match from Newcastle because they got to win it. They got to win it, lads. To stay in the Champions League, they got to win it. And obviously, Middlesbrough looking to bounce back from an abysmal performance on the weekend against Bristol City. We're at home tonight at the Riverside, the beautiful Riverside Stadium, the best stadium in the land, uh, taking on <laughs> Preston North End. Uh, and we will be uh, taking it right to them, hopefully. Maybe with a few new faces in the lineup. We'll see what Carrick goes with. But we've got a lot to talk about, lads. We've got a lot to talk about. There's been a lot that's come in overnight. Uh, we obviously seen that Wolves result as well. And, uh, lads... Go on, Sid. Sid. Go, Go on, on Sid. You've got the... The VAR Yay! is back, baby! <laughs> I'm looking forward to this because I never, watched, I never watched the game, so you're going to have to fill me oh, in. I've not even seen shocking. any highlights. I was too busy last night. It was shocking. So the Wolves game obviously went down to Fulham uh, winning in the 93rd minute, 94th minute with a controversial penalty. Gary O'Neill, uh, ex-Middlesbrough player, uh, not that we sort of count that one because he, you know, he didn't, he's, I'm not going to lie, he, he left on bad terms, but uh, he obviously he's just absolutely frustrated and furious with the VAR um, after not seeing a red card last night in what was a blatant red card and two penalties going to Fulham as well. Wolves losing that game 3-2. Gary O'Neill's aftermatch comments uh, were absolutely sizzling, lads, so we're going to have to cover it. that at some point. I love uh, the we're quote. also going to talk... I love the yeah, quote. Yeah, the quotes are fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think the ref would have done better on his own. I don't think <laughs> VAR helped him. But in fact, it hindered him. I love it. I it love did. it. It did. It was, it was actually crazy. It was actually crazy. We're also on the topic of VAR. We've heard now that football's lawmakers will be asked to consider whether VAR powers should be extended to cover free kicks, corners, and second oh, yellow cards. So they want to extend the VAR's responsibilities as if it wasn't struggling enough it is, so we'll talk about that. If and the any, big one for me ever, today, lads. If any, anybody was living in denial, I tell you. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Can you believe sorry, it? Sorry, <laughs> can you believe it? We'll get into that. And then the big one for me today, lads, and the one that, you know, I think just needs to be, we speak about it a lot, but we haven't really broken it down. And I want to get the lads' thoughts on this. We talk a lot about the financial, you know, the financial position of most clubs in, in England. And then we see, you know, Man City facing 115 charges. We've seen Everton just dock 10 points. Well, we're just seeing West Brom now, uh, a team that uh, Steve and I were talking about when we first started the show because uh, they were showing real bad financial hardship, probably having turning what we heard was going to be a fire sale come January. They've just taken out another loan, lads, with a US investment group. Uh, so they they took out 20 million pounds last December. Uh, they haven't disclosed, but yet just yesterday, they've taken out another loan 
from the, a US investment group. So uh, just incredible that, you know, that a club just needs to keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. And where does it stop? That's where does it stop? But we've got a lot to cover. Champions League football, the best team in the world in Middlesbrough taking on Preston and some of this other stuff, including VAR. But it is a happy good morning to everyone in the Northeast. And I hope you're all fantastic, safe and well. We sleep well, lads. We sleep well. No, oh. absolutely. No. Why? <laughs> No? no, no. I slept. I slept all right. To be fair, yeah. Yeah, there you go, Steve. In his beauty sleep, Steve. No. Roger, there'll be one of you. No, right. I always get I'm, seven hours. I'm obviously very ugly. I bet Steve sleeps in a mask. No beauty sleep. No beauty sleep. I'm telling you. No, My daughter is in tune for like two two hours on the dot, and then she starts crying. It's two hours on the dot. It's, it's and then we have like a witching hour from 10 p.m. to like 1 a.m. Oh my goodness! I tell you, it's three. She, she's got some lungs on her. She's, she's got some lungs dad, on her. That's all. She's copying a dad. Yeah, she's yeah. not wrong. Yeah. Not wrong. She will be waking the neighbours. That's for sure. Right, right, let's get into it. We got Champions League football to talk about. I want to kick it off with that. Is obviously a massive game for one of our northeast teams, Newcastle, taking on Paris Saint Germain in what will be the defining moment, according to Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe has said that it will be a make or break situation for Newcastle as they head to Paris to take on PSG. Obviously, in the reverse fixture, Newcastle got the honours, uh, but heading over to Paris will be a very different story. Uh, tough crowd, obviously, as well. We've seen a little bit of shenanigans happening with the fans as well. We hope that everyone's safe. I don't want to get too much into that because, obviously, it's just something that we can't control, but we just we just wish everyone safety and, you know, and everyone just, just gets to follow football and enjoy football, so... Uh, we, we just hate seeing that sort of stuff, especially to people that we know or friends of the, you know, the station and stuff like that. But uh, it's going to be a massive game for your lads tonight, Steve. Obviously, you're going with a bit of a different look. Obviously, a few more injuries than you did last time facing PSG. Are you expecting a tougher test in the Paris tonight? Well, I mean, they're, they're at home, aren't they? They've got home advantage. They've got injuries themselves. Newcastle uh, as well, um, you know, have, you know, have a well-documented injury list. But from, from our perspective... It's, it is win or bust, I guess, depending on what the result of uh, AC Milan Dortmund is. I mean, this is the group of death, so anything could happen. A, a draw for Newcastle tonight and a draw in the other game means Newcastle can beat Milan and still qualify. So it's it, it's an interesting it's an interesting conundrum. We'll know better after the after the results uh, over the course of this week. But for me, it, it's. You know, it's just been an enjoyable journey. It's been a chance for Newcastle to test themselves against, you know, some of the best teams in the world, and to to, to get their European legs again, really, because it's something that they they haven't, you know, been able to, you know, do since Alan Pardew's days in in the Europa. So, for me, uh, you know, I I just think he'll get the best out of it. Lewis Miley is going to make. You know, he's, he's Champions League uh, starting debut tonight. He, he, of course, featured in the game against Dortmund, but uh, was a substitute. So for, for him tonight, he'll be he'll be starting. And there'll be, you know, an opportunity for those younger players who are in the Champions League squad to, to play as well. But he's got an 18-man squad. So, he, he, you know, he's not short of numbers, which is good. So he'll, he'll give it his best shot. The, the players looked relaxed yesterday in the videos that I saw of the training session and they will you know they will go and do what Newcastle teams do under Eddie Howe which is you know high press run themselves into the ground for the cause and the shirt and you know and try and get Newcastle something out of a out of a out of a potentially difficult game but I think as always with this with this fixture as it was at St James's Park it depends which uh, Mbappe turns up. If Mbappe turns up tonight with you know with with his you know his game, then you know Newcastle are in trouble because he's one of the best players in the world, and you know in front of his home crowd he will want to perform. Um, I think that you know Newcastle have 
enough attacking options tonight to, to worry PSG. Um, I, I can see there being goals tonight, and you know I'm I'm probably going to go for a, a high score and draw. I think I think Newcastle are good enough to get a point tonight. I think it'll all go to the last game against AC Milan, and I think. Um, yeah, you mentioned, and I, and I will touch on it, uh, you mentioned the, the trouble that was, um, you know, on social media last night. It was it was disappointing to see. Um, you know, the one thing you don't do when you go to a foreign country is advertise that you're there. Um, and without naming names, there was one or two high-profile YouTubers who, you know, were podcasting in, in Paris last night and surrounding areas and putting out, you know, detailed content of, of bars where Newcastle fans were. Now, you know, if you're a, you know, if, if you're somebody who's from the city, it's not going to take a great deal of, you know, uh, you know, knowledge to, to find out where away fans are, but don't make it easy for them. Um, you know, and I, I did, you know, get onto a couple of people and say, you know, you really need to keep stuff off social media when you're in a foreign country. It's, it's, it's logic. It's, it's common sense because you don't need to make it easier for the minority. And, Luckily, um, you know, the reports I've had this morning um, are that nobody's been seriously hurt. There's one, one guy who's come away with a, a few scratches and, on his head. But other than that, you know, not the same kind of scenes that we saw in Italy. But that was last night. We've still got another night in Paris to get through. And you, you, you just worry because when you see organised, you know, organised hooligan groups, and, and that's what this group of ultras are, um, and, and they're, they're renowned for, for causing trouble, then ultimately this, you know, this, this group of people are well organised and videos of, you know, 25, 30 masked men walking through the streets of Paris looking for Newcastle fans isn't the most welcoming of the sites. So, you know, for me, um, I just hope that there's a little bit more common sense from those who go out and cover, uh, cover these occasions and that, um, you know, the organised fans events, which I know some supporters groups have put a lot of time and effort into you know, go without incident. But um, ultimately as well, it, it is down to the police in, in that country. The police really should be doing their job. And if that was England, that wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, the police in England are fairly well used to, you know, to, to coping with these kind of situations. But um, it's sad that, unfortunately, in the build-up to, to another big game, you know, we, we've got to talk about these kind of incidents. And that's that's the problem. It's People say to me, why don't you go to away games in, in you know, in the Champions League anymore? Well, that's the reason. Um, you know, I'm six foot two, I've got a bald head. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, that means when you're travelling following Newcastle or you're following England, I'm afraid to a foreign police force or to a foreign football fan, that just means one thing. You know, you're looking for trouble. And for me, it's sad. It's a sad indictment of the modern day, uh, modern game. Um, but that's not for me. I don't want to put myself into that, that situation. So it's, um, you know, I, I, I've got a few mates out there. There's a few people who regularly appear on my podcast are out there as well. And I uh, hope they have a great time. I uh, just hope have a great time, a safe time, and and they get back from uh, get back from France in one piece. But I did on the flip side. I saw some wonderful videos of um, you know people people in in some very uh, posh patisseries sampling snails and cakes <laughs> and the best red wine that French uh, the French have to offer. Um, so, you know, yeah, exactly. If you want to go, if you want to go, the, if you want to go, to, if you want to go and experience these things, there are ways and means of avoiding you know avoid big crowds of Newcastle fans and just go and be you know go along go. To the you know go go and sample the the best parts of Paris and then get yourself off to the match and get back. You can do it, but it's um it's not the same because I appreciate people want to be there, want to be in amongst the crowd, they want to be singing all the songs and, and building up the atmosphere. Um, but but unfortunately that 
that can lead to you know the situations that we saw last night. But let's hope that's the end of it. I don't think it will be, sadly, because uh, these ultras are renowned and, and and you know are looking for trouble. So let's hope that uh, let's hope it's a safer night. But getting back to the football, yeah, I I think Newcastle will. I think Newcastle will get something tonight. Um, it's going to be tough and it, it's going to be a hard game. But uh, yeah, it, it really depends on which Mbappe turns up. And if it's the same lethargic, uninterested Mbappe uh, with his hands on his hips going, well, you know, it's not my fault, lads. Um, you know, I, I, I do my bit. I put the ball in the back of the net. What are you doing? Then if he turns up tonight, Newcastle have got a chance of winning tonight's game. But it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Well, PSG obviously coming off a big win against Monaco on the weekend. They won 5-2. They are top of the league uh, one as well. So they are, it's a little bit of form, but obviously anything can happen in the Champions League. It can be, you know, it can go either way. Off and the depending back of on a 4-1 win. Exactly, uh, as well. so, exactly, you know, it, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's right. finely tuned. In, in a league that actually tuned. means something as well, Steve. <laughs> be, let's bear in mind, <laughs> PSG are in a farmer's league, mate. They, yes. They've never, ever won the Champions League. I, I, I think you know, we're possibly downplaying Newcastle's chances here. Uh, and as a matter I'm, I'm, I'm choking on the words to get them out, of course. Hurt. Yeah, it does, it does. <laughs> it, but I'm a realist at the same time. PSG... The, the barely play anyone. There's a reason they haven't won the Champions League. It's because they're simply not good enough and they don't play in a good enough league that challenges them. Monaco's probably around about the nearest challenger they're going to get. Um, but, you know, they, they're way down the pecking order in terms of money and things like that. Yeah, I, for me, Steve, I, I, a, a draw would be, you know, a, a very useful result. But Honestly, there's no reason why they can't go there and actually get all three points. And, and again, that's that's absolutely sticking in my throat to see it. But there you go. That, them's the fact. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was interesting yeah, yeah. listening to Luis Enrique, the PSG boss, who came out and said that he actually disagreed with Pochettino, who said that Chelsea were unlucky. He said, I had a very different reading of the game. You were blown away by a Newcastle that harassed and harried you. Uh, he said that they were very strong and they were able to press hard and very high. There's so much intensity. He said, there's six players that are putting on so much pressure. They can pressure like eight players at the same time. And this intensity and pressure in their game is something that we need to be prepared for. So, Luis Enrique, the PSG boss, obviously, uh, yeah, not going to be taking Newcastle lightly after watching the game on the weekend, as as no one should. Do you know what I mean? Newcastle beating PSG in Newcastle 4-1. So, you know, no one needs to, needs to write them off, even though they do sit bottom of Group F. Uh, we've seen that, you know, we've seen Newcastle almost, uh, you know, first just, you know, a couple of games ago. So still a lot to play for. It's not Newcastle down and out for sure. And as you said, uh, Newcastle are in red hot form themselves with a great win over uh, Chelsea, albeit without with the injuries they do have as well. One thing I'll be interested to see tonight is obviously the Mbappe battle. We saw Dan Byrne in the in the reverse fixture just have an absolute stellar game, but obviously there's no Dan Byrne tonight. Uh, so it'll be interesting there. But obviously no, no Botman, Elliot Anderson, Harvey Barnes, Callum Wilson, also likely to still say a sideline for tonight's fixture uh, and confirmed Drew, Joe Willock is seeing a specialist, uh, Eddie Howe yeah. confirmed, and Sean Longstaff has Good not travelled. So still still few injuries there uh, that Eddie Howe confirmed of. But lads, we're a bit late. We should get into the headlines. We wanted to break down a bit of Newcastle there first and foremost because it is a big game. We'll probably talk more about it as we get into the show later on. But let's crack into some news headlines for your Northeast. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Morning Sunderland fans, no goal scoring worries for Sunderland FC under 18s who claimed all three points in the Premier League Cup on Saturday with a 3-0 win against Stoke City. Goals from Tommy Watson, 
you need to get on the club's Insta to go and see his worldie of a solo goal. Uh, Tom Lavery and Josh Robertson sealed victory at the Academy of Light. In the other group fixture, Brighton and Leicester finished 3-3. Main and the Young Black Cats stay in third, just three points behind the Foxes. The weekend fixture was the first of a double header against the Potters, with the league fixture being played this weekend once again at the Academy of Light. Get yourselves along at a 3pm kickoff and maybe more chance of seeing some goals scored. Sunderland skipper Lugo 9 has insisted that young Joe Bellingham is as much of a leader as he himself is for the Black Cats. The 29-year-old stressed that his side have a really good base of young players, which needs to grow for a good future for the football club. He insisted that summer signing Bellingham has leadership qualities and other young players need to drive the team as much as he himself does. Black Cat skipper told the Sunderland Echo, I'm learning off the younger players, people like Job, he's a leader just as much as myself, and it's important that these guys pull the team just as much as I will. Having those players like Job and the young players, they've got to see themselves as leaders. They have to impact the game, they've got to set values on the squad day in, day out in training. Slowly we are getting a really, really good base and we have to keep growing that. Bellingham 18 has been an important player in Mowbray's side this season and the club will be looking to keep hold of his qualities for a long time to come. And finally, Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray is excited to welcome back a special player in Chris Rigg after he returns from representing England at the Under-17 World Cup. Rigg played an important role for the Young Lions as they topped their group before suffering a shock defeat at Uzbekistan in the knockout phase. Riggy wasn't back in time to be involved against Plymouth, however his place in the squad will be waiting for him when he's able to return after Mowbray admitted. He remains wowed by the 16-year-old and not just by his talent. Mowbray said, when he gets back he'll be involved with us training hopefully at the start of next week. That's the end of this week. We'll of course see how he is and see how he feels, how much the travelling and the games have taken out of him. He'll be back involved with us when he's ready, he deserves it. I've said it a lot, we have a lot of young talented players come train with us, but he's just a little bit special. I put that down to not just his talent, but his amazing attitude, which sets him aside as a, a, a bit. He's got no fear, not just of training with the first team, but competing and engaging. Welcome back, Riggy. That's his headlines. Smoggies and Proud, Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Have we got a game tonight? Yes, indeed. Middlesbrough returned to the Riverside to take on Preston North End. And Michael Carrick has said, unfortunately, that Marcus Force is out for some time. However, Riley McGree could be back within a few weeks. Given the amount of time Riley now has missed, uh, both in matches and on the training pitch, Carrick was not able to give a time frame in what it would take him a little while to get him back to match fitness, Michael Carrick says. So Riley McGree's still out for a bit, but Marcus forced a little bit longer there, Borough fans, which we're a little bit worried about. Talking about the result from Bristol, even though it was only on Saturday, the championship moves quickly and he was quick to move on from what was a disappointing result. Carrick said Borough coming undone by moments rather than whole periods when losing their defensive capabilities. Carrick was quick to remind reporters how well certain players have been and albeit a bad loss, he knows consistency is needed to get where they want to go as a team. And reports are coming out today that Borough might be in for a new striker come January. Hey! Middlesbrough apparently keen on Brandon Vasquez, a 25-year-old US international who has been forming well for current club FC Cincinnati, scoring 42 goals and providing 15 assists. It's reported that Middlesbrough won't be the only club keen to security services come January, but it does align with the other reports that Middlesbrough will be making a striker their priority come January. Hey! And finally, Carrick spoke of his memories and enormous respect for Terry Venables and all that he achieved in the game after the news of his passing at the weekend sanded Carrick and the club. The type of coach uh, he was and the type of person he has shone through with all the, the tributes, said Carrick. 
It was a really sad day for everyone connected with the club and for football in general. Euro 96 was an incredible time to be a young boy supporting England, and he was a massive part of that. That is your Middlesbrough headlines. We go on tonight. Bring it on. Back at the Riverside. Preston going down. Magpies and Proud. Mag News. Bonjour les fans de Newcastle, c'est mardi matin. Newcastle United take on PSG in their penultimate Champions League group game at the Parc de France tonight at 9 o'clock. Sean Longstaff and Joe Willock didn't travel, giving Eddie Howe plenty of food for thought for his team selection in Paris tonight. Luis Enrique is warning Newcastle United that his PSG side will, face, uh, will approach tonight's Champions League fixture like it's a cup final. Two sides go head-to-head in a crucial group F fixture that will see Newcastle's hope of progressing through to the knockout stage extinguished with a defeat. And the Magpies trail their second-place opponents by two points. A no positive result will set up an exciting final round of the fixtures against DC Milan next month with everything to play for. Enrique knows all too well about Newcastle's threats with Eddie Howe's men thumping his team 4-1 in the earlier fixture. Eddie Howe opted to train in Paris ahead of tonight's match, which was a change to previous matches in Germany and Italy. Howe was asked why he'd opted to do this at yesterday's press conference, and he explained that it was just a change of feeling, a different routine. You never know how these things affect your performances. We're looking for an improvement, which is why we've done what we've done today. He went on to explain that some players might want it or need and prefer it. It also gives players more time with their families at home, and it gave them time to pinch a few hours with the family. They were trying something different this time. That's your Newcastle United headlines this Tuesday morning. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the birds, the cat and the tin. Righto, we have got four minutes till your half past seven in the morning where we'll cross to the sports headlines, oh, get everything we in the sport world. We haven't so forgotten. So we will get there very quickly. We uh, have just a short little segment here, though, lads, just to talk about one thing and one thing in particular, uh, and that's VAR. Uh, VAR is going to decimate this show. I do apologise. If you're a VAR fan, then you've come to the wrong place uh, because we are absolutely VAR dislikers here and uh, last night's game was evident of that. Stevie hasn't seen it. I'm not sure if Ted or Dave have seen the match, but the one that was so farcical last night was obviously that Wolves v Fulham game where it just came to a point for me, it's, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It was an absolute disgusting outcome for what could have been a good match. Now, I am neither a Wolves or Fulham supporter. I am not a referee supporter. In fact, I am not a VAR supporter. But last night, it was absolutely farcical what happened. We saw Vinicius, who is a Fulham player, who absolutely battered one of the Wolves players. Should have been shown a straight red for violent conduct. Not uh, not given. And we also had two penalties given to Fulham. The referees are coming out straight after the game. I'm talking within the first 15 minutes of the game saying, yep, we got it wrong. It should have been two penalties and a red card. So... Gary O'Neill, obviously, absolutely distraught and angry. He's been mad by the VAR, has has as has many manager in the Premier League this season and every other club. He's not alone there. But Gary O'Neill feels mostly hard done by. He said he feels like it's targeting Wolves and it's targeting his job. He says uh, he wants to say um, he wants to say that he can uh, get obviously. Uh, Twenty two points, but he's only taken fifteen in what could be you know the end of his job. Lads, I'll toss to you, Teddy, first. Mm-hmm. Gary O'Neill, is he going to get sacked? Or is it an understanding, do you think, from Wolves and Wolves cohorts that they've just been unlucky due to VAR? 
That's, that's a really tough one, right, to be honest. Um, first of all, I'll, I'll say that um, Gary Unreal actually conducted himself with a lot of dignity in his interview. Um, I, I think you, you could see he was visibly upset, visibly angry about the decisions. Uh, and, and for me, quite rightly so as well. I haven't, haven't had a, a little look at them as well. Um, I hope it doesn't cost him his job. Look, ultimately, I'm going to use that old cliche if it's a results game. Um, and right now, Wolves aren't getting the results that probably is is expected of them. You know, they're they're a, they're a good like sort of mid to upper end of the table side, and it's just not happening for them at the, at, at this moment in time. That's not to say that they you know they're not playing well or anything like that. This is this is now at least five or six points they've lost through a system that doesn't work. It, it's clear that it doesn't work. And a system that the that the FA in their infinite wisdom and the Premier League in their infinite wisdom are looking to extend into free kicks. I mean, they can't even sort the basic decisions out with it. So, in in terms of rolling it out across further into the game, it's just ridiculous, and it is going to cost good managers their jobs. No, I completely agree. I think it's getting a bit ridiculous. Let's cross to the sports headlines quickly, though, and we'll get back to it because we've got to break down VAR, how bad it's been. Uh, but we can't interrupt the sports headlines. We're not. We're better than that on your Tuesday morning here on the Northeast Brecky Show. Tad, Rye and Steve. The Northeast Jingle Bells. Breakfast. Jingle Bells. Don't you just love the depths of creativity we go to on the show? Oh, the depths of swimming, mate. Absolutely <laughs> incredible. Fantastic. I, I am. Can I? Can I just steal uh, in for uh, a second, lads? Yeah, of course you I'm, can. Of course I'm already can. getting abuse for, uh, for for saying nice things about Newcastle. Quite rightly um, so. And it's coming from my best yep. mate, who is actually a Geordie. It's Doctor Mick. Can we all wish Doctor Mick a happy birthday today? Happy I think birthday, Doctor Mick. Happy birthday, Doctor Mick. Happy birthday, man. Do you feel special now, do, do you? Do we have to sing a song? <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, no. We can okay. sing. I'm Terry's happy to. Terry's a cracking rock guitarist. No, we okay. could have done with him for the uh, Christmas song, but there you go. Oh, I've got no chance now you're talking up the mags. No, no, absolutely. Is he actually no, a doctor or is he again. like a psychiatrist or something? No, no, he's, he's, you know, he's, like he's a qualified like doctor. The doctor. Uh, is he? Oh, he, he reckons love, he is. I mean, love that. I think that's... I don't think it's just a chat of life. introducing yourself as doctor? A chat of line. A chat yeah, of like, but you know how you become like a like a like a psychiatrist or something, and they get called doctors, but they're not really doctors. You know what I mean? I feel like the doctors been handed out a bit too much, but the authentic doctors, I still got love for as well. There, by the way, so. well, he's non-practicing. <laughs> All right, let's. <laughs> Let's get into it, uh, lads. I'm gonna, we're going to continue the conversation about VAR because we didn't get uh, we didn't get to finish it off prior to the sports headlines. Uh, we got Ted's thoughts on it, uh, Steve. I want to get your thoughts on it. Obviously, you didn't watch the game, but I'm going to just uh, lead into uh, what your thoughts are of, of the current thing with what O'Neill had to say uh, a post match last night. Obviously, Gary O'Neill, the manager of Wolves, he said it is the impact that VAR is having on people's reputations, people's clubs, and people's livelihoods is massive. We should be able to talk about the game and not the decisions, but unfortunately we can't. Every game is being absolutely smashed by VAR. I think it's a really complex issue. I have always been for VAR, but it's causing so many problems now at the moment, and the VAR has cost us here three points, which would have helped our club massively. 
Now, Gary O'Neill not holding back there, not obviously going down the line of it's just a stress. It is unacceptable. It is a disgrace, uh, but Who's he's uh, he's not held back. That's, he's saying, that's, 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 that's Afghanistan, obviously. What are you? As if that's Arteta's brother. That's Arteta's brother, Sean. Sean Arteta. <laughs> that was awful. What are your thoughts on what Gary Earl had to say? Uh, and do you think the VAR is costing people's livelihoods? I'm at a complete disadvantage because I didn't see the game and I didn't hear the interview. I can only go off what you're saying. And, uh, you know, I didn't even know the game was on. That's, you know, basically I'd, I'd thought with it being Champions League week that we'd played all the fixtures. So it wasn't until somebody put on Twitter, it's Keith Gillespie, I think, put on Twitter that it was, you know, that he was playing hell about VAR again. I thought there must be a game on the night. And I, I then obviously saw that it was 3-2. Um, I mean, he's right, but again, you know, you could probably play about, I don't know, 20 of our shows, or you know, since August, and, and, and all we seem to be talking about is VAR, so we've exhausted the topic, really. Um, nothing's going to change until the, until the rules change, and the rules won't change probably until the end of the season, if they change at all. So he is right, um, but we're at the point now where it's pointless complaining about it, because the only, re- the only thing that you're going to get if you complain about it as a manager is a fine. And, you know, it, 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 what is the point of complaining about it? Nothing is going to change uh, until the end of the season, if it changes at all. So you've just got to get on with it. You've got to accept it. We're in the same boat as we were prior to VAR. It'll balance itself out over the course of a season. And if it doesn't balance itself out, then you look wasn't in and you'll go down or you won't or you'll get knocked out of a, com- a competition or you, you won't win the Premier League. It's as simple as that. So we've just got to accept a lot. We've just got to get on with it. Um, and you know, uh, situations like we saw develop over the weekend with, you know, Mia Gadusi complaining about the atmosphere. Well, you know, the atmosphere is, you know, is, is has got lots of reasons why atmospheres have changed. I mentioned yesterday, all seater stadiums. Um, you can chuck VAR into the mix as well. It's ruining the atmosphere in grounds. It's ruining the spont- spontaneity of a crowd because essentially a crowd normally would celebrate, jump up and down when a goal is scored, and we knew. That was it. It was it. You know, it was going to count. Now, you know, we've got a, a two, three, four, five, six-minute delay, where somebody in a, um, you know, in a studio watches multiple camera camera angles uh, and still gets it gets it wrong, and you know, chokes the goal off and that kills the atmosphere dead. And you know, it's a multitude of reasons why atmospheres are, are you know are on the downward trend, but. That's another one of them, VAR. So we just you've just got to stop complaining. Gary O'Neill's got to stop complaining. There's nothing you can do about it. It's a level playing field for everybody. VAR is poor for everybody. And we've just got to accept that we're, we're stuck with it, I'm afraid. Do you think there's more of a, uh, I guess, a regress of, of grievance now if a manager is to be sacked? Say Gary O'Neill now obviously goes on a bit of a run. He's obviously had a few games go against him, but he's blaming them purely on VAR, which is right or wrongly, as you said. But do you think there's there's a, um, a case here now for managers to say, well, it's not me that's giving you poor results; it's the referees. Dave, can we can we can we see Gary O'Neill coming out? Say he gets sacked in the next two weeks, and he's lost, you know, th- four of the last five games. But four of those games have been down to VAR decisions. I mean, where how does how you know, how do we how do we work that now? Is it just you know, oh well, get on with it. You know, you, you've lost the game. You should have done better. The one he drew against Newcastle as well was controversial because Newcastle got a penalty they shouldn't have been given. Mm. Mm-hmm. With yeah. VAR. Yeah. So I mean, it's going. See, it's, it seems see it to be going an, either you'll, way. You'll definitely see it as an excuse because um, I think any manager 
you know, the, it's normally the injury situation, isn't it, that gets blamed. You know, we've had a yeah. horrendous run of injuries. I should have given him in, should have been given more time for the injuries to recover than I could have shown you what I was mm. going to do. But I do think that uh, VAR would uh, would be used as a as an excuse if there's a real bad run uh, of decisions uh, on VAR. And you know, just looking at that game, wow. I mean, it's the second Fulham goal, the penalty for the second Fulham goal. Uh, was just incredible because the player was already going down, looking to go down and fall onto the mm, floor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be fine. So you can see clearly see what was going on, um, and I was I was amazed. I mean, I've got a bit of bit of sympathy for him um, following the uh, the defeat. But um, yeah, look, it's it's no different to what we've been saying for a long time, which is it's ruining the game. Get rid of it. Um, we don't expect them to because there's far too much too much money at stake. And now we're hearing um, FIFA uh, from uh, from jury coming out saying, "Oh, its role should be expanded." So um, yeah, let's let's really integrate VAR into every single touch of the ball anywhere on the field. Uh, let's reintegrate it into life. Let's bring it into real life. Um, just have VAR decisions. God no. <laughs> I tell you what, it worked. Well, it worked well on this show. Did he really say that? Let's have a look at VAR. Oh yeah, he did. Oh, oh, four he did. Oh, Daz, no. Daz would get kicked off the radio station. <laughs> Let's have another listen to that French accent that Steve did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suja yeah, yeah. laws. Suja laws. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. I, uh, I actually oh, ordered oh, it. Oh. I, uh, I extracted my coffee extra strong. Uh, no, you didn't. Ah, no, VAR you? here. Let me yeah, go back. Uh, You'd be standing there when you're drawing your screen in the front room, <laughs> darling. Please watch here. Right, right, I gave you. I gave you my order. Uh, oh my goodness! Can you imagine in real day life? That'd be a great skit to do. Uh, absolutely incredible. Oh, but, uh, just touching there. So hang on, on, hang on. So on we, what Dave we, had to we, say. We're going to do a Christmas number one, and we're going to do a video of VAR taking the mic out of there VAR. Are we? Okay, brilliant. <laughs> Using VAR in real life circumstances. Yeah. Oh, just imagine when you, you get you that imagine? when you get that ticket for going through a red light camera. You can just uh, say to the policeman, oh. "Hang on a minute, I'm calling on VAR. Yeah, Let's on. have a look. Did that cross the line before it turned red? Yeah, brilliant. Love it. <laughs> it could actually." Play into their hands, couldn't it? Well, obviously, I'll continue on from VAR. Football's lawmakers have now asked to consider whether VAR's powers should be extended. Oh, God help us. Uh, because they want to know if VAR should now be extended to cover free kicks, corners, and a second yellow cards. Uh, obviously, they fear that it could lead to longer delays, but they feel like if we're going down this path of video refereeing every decision, then we should extend them to cover any free kicks given corners and second yellow cards. Can you imagine, Teddy boy, uh, we get to the Premier League, we get promoted, we've got the opening game of the season, Sunderland v Middlesbrough, it's an absolute massive kickoff, right? Carrick v Mogger, and all of a sudden there's a corner and we're waiting 20 minutes to see if it actually was a corner. It's It just beggars belief, doesn't it? It's The, the only way I can liken this... Like spreading VAR in, into more of the game is basically like, right, okay, big pharmaceutical company's gone, right, we've, we've created this new drug, it's absolutely fantastic. Have you tested it? Yeah, yeah, we've tested on a million mice. And what was the result? Uh, half of them died, but we're ready to go to human trials now. <laughs> That, that's 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 essentially what we're saying. That we're, what we're going to do with VAR yeah. is yeah. is let this absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Well, actually, no. The technology is actually pretty decent. It's the people operating it who are absolutely clueless. I'm just working that line that, into the lyrics the of the Christmas number one. Uh, a million mice, half of them dies. Yeah, great. 
Love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm quite the poet. <laughs> Just watch that rise. Just send us the um, rise. Just send yeah, us that. Yeah, send it to that penalty on Twitter, I'm just watching it back. That's absolutely ludicrous. And how on earth Ridiculous. did the VAR check happen on that? Um, <laughs> not that's what that VAR saw foul. as well, Steve. Eee, that's what VAR that's saw. Ridiculous. And th- so that's the slow-mo that VAR had. That's the footage they had. And that's what they called on a penalty. So, yeah, I, I did send it to Steve, ladies and gentlemen, just so we could have a look. Yeah, but the VAR operator was holding a white stick at the time. So that might have <laughs> kind of, you know, played a, some sort of part. I think the Labrador made it. the call. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely outstanding, isn't it, really? Oh, honestly, I, I, I don't know it? where the go from here. Well, I, I do. It's three-hour matches, isn't it? You know, no. oh, who who did that throw in? No. Who did that throw in take the last touch of? Let's go to VAR. Oh, my oh hang on a minute. Oh, the two feet went in at the same time. Let's spend another two minutes mm. debating on who's throwing it should be. Oh, no, please, no. My goodness. Please Steve, don't. We Trippy Can we almost. not get promoted into the Premier League, please? I do not want to be part of the Premier League if VAR is watching how we quaff our coffees at halftime. Please, No. <laughs> We, I mean, it's happening. It could come down to the championship before we know it. Steve, we saw Crean Trippier uh, almost score an absolute worldy free kick. We saw, obviously, Raheem Sterling's goal, the only goal for Chelsea on the weekend. Uh, can we imagine that next time that that happens uh, before Raheem Sterling or Kieran Trippier that we have to go to VAR to review if they were free kicks? Uh, just crazy. I just don't know why on earth they're even contemplating doing something where they add something else to the, you know, add something else to this ludicrous system when they haven't got the first part right. I just, I, I just don't understand why they would do that. But like Dave says, we're we're, we're heading towards three-hour games now. If if that's the case, I mean, literally, <laughs> we're trying to Americanize the game uh, completely now. You know, we'll all be sitting there with you know um, foam hands, um, you know, popcorn and. You know, <laughs> It's, I, I, it's weird you say that, Steve. It's weird you say that because I, I honestly have a theory that they are going to try and monetize those breaks for VAR, and they will try and get advertising breaks in them. I Certainly in the televised games. If you are one hundred percent right there, mate, yeah, I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, one hundred percent timeouts and stuff like that. It's it's, it's yeah. heading towards it. It's crazy. Yes, yeah. there's that. <laughs> <laughs> the clowns, yeah. oh, that's the VAR thing. <laughs> that's it. Game is held up, and all the clouds are, uh, clowns <laughs> run out onto the uh, pitch, and you know they're carrying that yes, no, no, yes board, <laughs> and they're facing the crowds. They're taking their positions up at all four corners of the ground, and they all hold the board up with a question mark, and the crowd's going to shout <laughs> yes or no, and they put the cards up I and they it. cheer. I love it. Uh, that's it, and then all the crowds run out, and the decisions made. Bang! End of here. Let's get the game on, please. I still think every chair should be fitted with a button, yes or no, and then the crowd can get involved. And then the VAR should be yes or no. Vote now. And that should be, oh my goodness. But there we go. There's our next Northeast plug advert. We can fit into the VAR slot, Dave. So we make a VAR advert for ourselves for the Northeast Brecky Show. I'm looking forward to Uh, this. Creativity. Tune in. Creativity coming in. Sick of VAR, waiting 15 minutes for this next goal. Well, why don't you come on down to the Northeast Brecky Show? Oh my goodness, me. Is this this what we have to use in everyday life? Like when we're going to sack the apprentice for not showing sharpening the pencils correctly. Yes. We've got to call on VAR for proof before we can fire him. Is that what we have to do? Big <laughs> big screen yeah, drawn in the office. There Basically. we go, VAR. Yeah. Just does not do that as well. <laughs> well I'm, th- I'm sure he's thinking about it already this morning. Ten shores, mixes with the stars, sharpens the pencils and gets the gaff of the coffee. <laughs> hey, absolutely no chance. Warner does. Oh. He is listening, by the way. He is listening. Yeah, yeah. 
Ah, oh, morning, Desi. Because I walk, You're a big famous person. I, wa- you. I, wa- I walk him up, and um, and the web designer who who's not very pleased, Ian. Morning, Ian. Uh, by saying all the sites <laughs> are down, the websites are down because you guys were saying listeners are saying they can't listen to us. The websites are down. Uh, only to find, yeah, we did change them two days ago. Never told anybody, so the addresses are different. So there you go. So sorry for waking you up. Operational excellence. Yes. We're the same house together, like Dave. Is this an I was going to say. Just roll over. <laughs> oh, what rumours are we starting? Bring on I'm the Christmas the Walkman wise in the pyjamas kind of thing going on, you know? And the smoking jacket, yes, indeed. That's it. Uh. All right, well, lads, just before we hit 8 a.m., let's leave VAR where it should be and behind us because uh, we don't want to talk about it all day. Yeah, in bed with Dad. Daz and the, and the web. Just <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, please no VAR dear, dear of that, if that is true, by the way. Uh, oh. I just want to I want to talk about West Brom, lads. Uh, and obviously, West Brom Albion uh, have just recently, and as is confirmed, it's not rumours or anything like that. It is obviously they have to come out and say it. West Brom have taken out an additional loan with the US investment group MSD Holdings yesterday. The championship club took $20 million last December uh, to, be back, to be paid back over four years, uh, but have not clarified how much extra money they have now borrowed now, they now borrowed in just yesterday. Uh, obviously, they're still going to the US market. Obviously, the US uh, seemingly uh, just handing out loans. <laughs> like, And uh, yeah, the West Brom have been topped up. Uh, yeah, the West Brom have literally just been topped up once again. Ted, let's talk championship for a second and leave the big Champions League man mm-hmm. to rest and think about the, this for a second because I want to ask you, is it uh, from a Middlesbrough point of view, it seems to be that if you ever get into financial strife now in the championship, you just go and get a loan. I want to know why West Brom are allowed to continually get further into debt by just taking out more and more loans and how that seems to help West Brom in the long run when they're asking for more and more money now back over a four or five year period. Now, earlier in the in the um, radio's you know brief history, uh, Steve and I were talking about just, just a couple of months huge, ago how huge West Brom history, were looking huge to history. have it. We were going to have a, a fire sale uh, come January because they were just they couldn't balance the books. West Brom were absolutely heading down to dire straits in terms of the money. They something owed like fifty million, fifty billion, uh, incredible you know scenes where they weren't being able to even you know afford to pay for players, uh, for players' wages and stuff like that. We've now seen them go and borrow some more money. Is it okay? Do you do you do you sit back and go, well, you know, they're in dire straits. They need money. That you know, that's what everyone else would do. Or do you think, it, like I do, I think it's actually irresponsible for us to let them go further into debt. You've got to bear in mind, Ray, that MSD are no strangers to Sunderland Football Club. Mm. Uh, in the fact that uh, at one stage, the I'm going to use the the word shysters that used to run the club. Uh, <laughs> Which, which was uh, Stuart Donald and... I thought and they were the, fine uh, upstanding gentlemen. They look really the good on that video. Was, <laughs> oh, mate, honestly. Yeah, Stuart Donald and the the, uh, the salmon pant-wearing buffoon that was uh, Charlie Methven as well. You like Charlie, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, big fan, big fan. Uh, yeah, they, um, they were looking to secure um, a loan, even though basically they... <laughs> They actually financed the club by taking out a loan in the club's name. It was all all hideously badly run. MSD get involved in football clubs when there is major, major um, financial issues. We almost went to the wall. Uh, that that's you know that's that's no exaggeration at all. Sunderland nearly went to the wall under the stewardship of those two idiots who had absolutely no care for the club whatsoever. 
another club that MSD got involved with was Derby County, who also, as we know, a big, yep. big club, Derby County, a massive club, um, and they almost went to the wall. And they, yep. it's, it's basically MSD, if you want to look at them, is it's a payday loan for a football club. It's basically Wonga with nicer suits. So it's if I was a if you I just was put the West fear of God Brom, into Steve there by mentioning that word. Oh, ben, yes. I'm sorry, Steve. I know. I, I, I think we I've all want to stay away from that one. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, if I was a West Brom fan, I'd be very, very concerned about any sort of involvement that as MSD are having. Um, as far as them being allowed to continue to invest into playing staff and things like that, it it, it shouldn't be happening. It absolutely shouldn't be happening. Um, there should be some sort of embargo on them. They need to sort out their financial situation. I know this is supposed to tide them over for a takeover, I believe I read. Yeah, um, that's what it says, yeah. But, so the chairman, just I'll happening. just jump in. So the chairman said the new loan will support the ongoing funding of the football club's general business operations. That was his Pay line. Yeah, basically a period. So you, yeah. you take yeah you you take that with what you will. But the chairman said that what they reporters asked him what is the money used for. He said it'll be support the ongoing funding of the football club's general business operation, which means their so current no business plan shot. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> their current <laughs> exactly. business plan shot. Yeah. That's what it means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, my it's concern. A mess, yeah. <laughs> my concern here is, and I, I've got no visibility on the the West Brom situation. But what is what is this loan yeah. being guaranteed on? Has it been guaranteed yeah, on future exactly. season ticket sales? That's yeah. what they normally. That's I mean, these they, types of loans are normally guaranteed on future season ticket sales because that's your guaranteed revenue. Well, I hope they haven't promised more than they can give because they are sitting fifth in the league. Obviously, um, the Kyla Cobberon, the manager there, has gotten West Brom up to fifth in the league. So I hope they're not promising on certain, you know, things that could happen at the end of the season, whether they will or not. Obviously, but. Um, but there obviously has, and um, the boys touched on it there, there has been speculation in recent weeks that a takeover could be on the horizon for West Brom. Uh, but the owner also came out yesterday after getting this loan saying, and he said, the takeover is not as imminent as some fans have hoped. So there is no takeover imminent for West Brom. So they are having to get the loan to fund the ongoing football I, club's general I business really, operations. I really am surprised that they've allowed it to go this far. I mean, yeah. the, the, I, I felt after COVID that there was going to be lots of teams and I, and I genuinely felt Sunderland could have been one of them at that point because I think Sunderland were coming out of a period of mismanagement and, you know, the, you know the, we all know the financial situation under those 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 people who you mentioned earlier, Methan and people like that. <laughs> they, they really... They really had caused issues. I mean, you had the point where you had that um, that guy who I won't name because um, I don't want to get done for libel. But the guy who uh, was kept coming in saying he was going to buy the club and he was bidding for the club. I actually worked with mm. him in the boxing industry for 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 a few years, and he was never intending on buying the club. He's he's popped up again trying to buy some other club in 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 the UK. He just seems to be like a front man for. You know, for, I don't know whether he does it just to to, to test the water or to to, de, to 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 maybe like a red heron, so that other people other people can do stuff behind the scenes. I've got no idea, but I thought Sunderland were going to end up in a, a bit of a mess. They didn't. Fair play to these people who've come in. They've got they've got a bit of stability. You know, Sunderland get promoted, they're back on track. But I think a lot of these other clubs, I'm surprised that they haven't gone. They haven't gone bust with what happened with COVID. No crowds, no grounds. The lifeblood of the lifeblood of some of these clubs, because you know, lower down the leagues, having fans come in is, is the be all and end all. They don't get the big money sponsors. They don't get the big TV money. 
but I'm really surprised that there hasn't there hasn't been more clubs go. But West Brom are they're on the precipice there, and like you say, you know, depending on what they've 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 took this loan out against. I mean, is it the ground? Is it is it future? Is it is as you say, is it future earnings? Is it promotion to the Premier League? Um, is it future? Is it season ticket sales? You you would really be worried. You would really, really be worried as a, as a as a fan that you know that people are gambling with your gambling with your football club and I yeah I I just thought I I didn't expect West Brom to be one of those teams but you just never know uh, you never know and we're seeing yeah. other teams that are really on the precipice of, of failure and, and potentially going out of business and it's the fans that suffer it's the supporters that suffer who've put their lives into supporting those clubs and they're the ones who suffer if, if something goes wrong. Yeah, it is incredible to see. And it just stinks to like a big short for those that have seen that movie uh, and, and the big short back in the day of obviously uh, the lenders, especially within America. Uh, and the, the big short, the financial crisis we had in 2008 was simply put to people giving out money or lending, you know, creating loans of people that just could not pay it back. Now, it just seems and stinks to me here that, you know, we sort of got the same thing with football clubs. I just don't see how if I'm a, you know, if I'm a generic citizen and I just want to go and get a loan and I can't pay it back or have no, you know, or base it on certain things, then it's, it's really, you know, it's really wild to me. But I just want to talk to you guys as well, just to let you know. So West Brom, West Brom are still looking to have this fire sale come January, potentially, even with this new loan. But their player wages, right? West Brom's player wages are fifth in the league the championship. So just to put that in perspective, Middlesbrough's current wages, we sit 10th. Sunderland sit down in 21st for player wages altogether. So yeah. uh, Sunderland are averaging 9 million in players' wages. Middlesbrough off are averaging 13 million. And then West Brom, who sit in fifth, 23 million pounds on players' wages uh, for this current 22-23 season. So West Brom sitting fifth, which just beggars belief that, uh, that they are that far in player wages uh, and uh, maybe uh, how's the bacon to do with some of those signings there, Steve, as well? Yeah, funny that just crossed my mind there. Uh, good old Brucey um, and, you know, signing players and putting them on daft contracts. But, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. And a £23 million in the championship. I mean, who on earth is doing the million, there? Yeah. You, want to, you want to get yeah. rid of the accountant, I think. That's what you want to get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, isn't it? That is crazy money uh, for the championship. That's shock especially you, Ted. If they, especially if they have a fire sale and, and they have to oh, get rid yeah. of people. I yeah, mean, what's it's, it's, that I mean, that's unsustainable. It's, it's yeah, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, it's 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 unsustainable. They haven't got parachute payments or anything, and they're the fifth no, in the league. No, it's, a, it's a, I mean, they were typically known as the boing boing buggies because he used to bounce between yeah, the exactly. Premier League and the Championship. Yeah. But you know, the, the more of the boing splat buggies these days because they've been nowhere near the Premier League <laughs> for a long time. Um, it's yeah, there's some absolutely. It just smacks of of, of Sunderland from a few years ago. This. You know, like sort of the dark days when we had the likes of Jack Rodwell on seventy grand in the championship. It's it's poor management from the top, by the sounds of it. And what they do, they do need to sell the club to somebody who's you know got got the mm. club's best intentions at heart, and actually you know bring that down to a sustainable level. Because that level of spending on wages for a team that's you know, to be honest, fifth flatters them at the minute. Yeah. As, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, you know, having watched a couple of the games, they're now special. Um, yeah. yeah, that's 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 a dangerous amount of money, and like you say, it's it's the fans who suffer because you know the, the, there's potentially a fan, a, you know, a, a fine coming their way, and maybe he's even docked points. 
Because at the end of the day, the, the unsustainable is a football club. And that's what concerns yeah, me. That's, that. that's, and I'm, I'm going to dig because I, I found the EFL um, profitability and sustainability rules. So I'll, I'll dig deep into them to see if we can get to the bottom of you know, what the responsibilities mm. are of a football club from a financial aspect. But what concerns me is financial fair play, which is known... Um, yeah, exactly. You know, technically as profitability and sustainability. uses that word sustainability in its title, yet it's only looking at club losses permitted to incur, be incurred over a rolling three-year period. It, 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 on the surface, it doesn't say anything about how you run the club loans or anything like that. It's to do with profitability over that three-year period. So I'm sure West Brom right now would be saying, it doesn't matter where we take these loans from, as long as we remain within yeah. those guidelines across that rolling three-year period. But I will dig deeper, because if you've got sustainability in the title of a rule to be members of the EFL and of the leagues, uh, Premier League are the same, UEFA uh, are the same for their competitions, then really it should be wider than just a, a three-year rolling uh, rolling number. So yeah, one, one of the big things just in taking over a, a club is obviously, you know, any any new owner has to undertake this uh, fit and proper persons test and all that kind of thing. Now, there's no, I don't think there's any mention of that, Dave. And again, you know, I'm sure you'll have a, a deep dive into that. But why isn't that monitored constantly? Why is that just a thing that, you know, all right, well, I'll behave myself and I'll make the books look good so I get through the door, then I'm just going to turn into an absolute waster with it? It, it should be something that's yeah. constantly monitored as the fit and proper person's out because you can't go borrowing from here, there and everywhere to keep nah. the football club afloat. It's going to bite you on the backside nah. eventually. I mean, they took 20 mil out last December and their wages are 23 mil. So, you know, go figure uh, on how that works and how they're allowed to just keep borrowing money. But we are late for the news. We need to get to the news. It is 8 a.m. here on your Northeast Brecky Show. Uh, and I just want to leave you with this. Obviously, we're talking about West Brom Almich, uh, West Brom Albion, uh, who have just taken out another loan from MSD Holdings, someone that is uh, quite familiar to most championship teams and a few others. Uh, but the wage bill that will start, you know, just absolutely just... What do you think about this while we're at the news? Number one is Leicester City, and this is in the championship, with a wage bill of £60 million. Southampton a second on £40 million. Leeds United a third, £39.5 million. Norwich City, fourth, £24.1 million. Wow. And then West That's Brom Albion. Club than, uh, a smaller club exactly, than West Brom. Exactly. Shocked me. Shocked me. And then fifth, West Brom, who have just taken out another loan from MSD Holdings on the fifth richest wage uh, bill in the league on £23.6 million. Pounds. So there you go. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Wonderful time epic. of the year. Isn't it? Greg Lake, I believe in Father Christmas. Don't we all? Oh. Doesn't yes. get played oh, as I much do. that one, Lake. It's a good one. Yeah, it Isn't is. Isn't it? I chronically underplayed that. Indeed, indeed. Oh, love it. Tell you what, Absolutely fellas, I'm, I'm digging deep into the old uh, financial fair play uh, regulations for the EFL. It's pretty detailed, but clubs do have to mm. submit annual um, audited reports, financial reports. Uh, so they have to submit their books uh, on an annual basis. Depending on their um, end of financial year as well, they may, be, uh, they may need to submit interim accounts as well. Um, and I'm just looking down here. Um, 
by the 31st of March for championship clubs. In each season, each club shall submit to the league in respect of itself, um, or if the club considers appropriate for the league requests, uh, group, the group in which it's owned, basically. Uh, uh, profit and loss accounts... Cash flow balance sheets, relevant explanatory notes commencing from accounting reference dates, um, future forecasts. So they also are supposed to submit future forecasts uh, prepared on a month-by-month wow. basis. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking at this here, and, and it does seem to me that, you know, loans can't be, can't be hidden. Loans can't be hidden. No. Um, in in no. terms of, of, of what you have to file to the EFL. However... Everything is behind, isn't it? It's like all accountancy. You know, yeah. you're looking at years yeah. completed previously before then having to submit. So any loan taken now yeah. probably would not be flagged up until the end of the season next year. Yeah, it's, it's incredible um, that they just seem to be allowed accountant. to borrow, though. Yeah, yeah, basic exactly. Accountant. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you've got. I mean, you can't hide anything in a football club. I mean, that that's you know, and I mean, if you do, you're in serious trouble. So, but yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. That it really is. But I I am shocked at the uh, at, at the high amount of uh, wages that a lot of these clubs are paying. It's uh, it's crazy. And, and and I think I think me and Dave were both surprised at the Norwich one. I mean, yeah. that's how much how much yeah. is that yeah. right? Yep, so Norwich. let me get it back up. Is that 20 odd? Yep. Is that, let is me that get 20, the back 20 odd million as well? Which was kind of, so yeah, they are the fourth highest in the league and they are 25.6 million. 25.6. I mean, you can understand Southampton because they've just come down. Yeah. Yeah. Leicester, yep. they've just come down. And Leeds. Yep. And Leeds. So yep. those three yep. are understandable. If you yep. take you those understand. three out of Yep, they got parachute you take payments. Those three out, Correct. Take those three out of the equation. But Norwich City, West Brom, crazy yep. that, like, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so Norwich fourth with twenty four point uh, sorry twenty five point one million, and West Brom fifth with twenty three point six million. Uh, that is their wages. So incredible, incredible, incredible. You know what's another one that shocks me is Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday have just come up from League One uh, of currently sitting bottom of the Championship. They're currently ninth in the most wages as well. Another one that's going to shock you: fourteen point five million pounds in wages for Sheffield How? Wednesday. In real trouble. We're currently in real trouble. Uh, currently. Bottom of the league, <laughs> and currently without a uh, yeah without a a, a a chairman that wants to be there. So, What's Birmingham? Yeah. What's well, Birmingham's? Yep. So Birmingham are currently sitting in the eleventh. Uh, they are just behind Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough are tenth with thirteen point five. Birmingham are eleventh with thirteen point two. Thirteen point two. But their managers' do, uh, salaries don't uh, play a part in those numbers. Yeah. He won. Uh, yeah, he so won at the weekend. I know. <laughs> I know. Day of execution. But before you go any They're further, back. They're back. Before, be, before we go into the trials and tribulations of of, of Wayne Rooney, um, Section Eighteen, Financial Fair Play. I'm just going to read you've been this. Been locked up, Dave. This is a, yeah. I've been giving you Section Eighteen. That means I can't talk publicly. Uh, see you, boys. Um, Eighteen point one. Without prejudice, the foregoing provisions. The league and clubs agreed actively work to introduce measures to uh, uh, appro- uh, appropriate to each division to promote financial fair play within the league, with the objective of point one, improving the economic and financial capability of clubs. Point two, increasing the transparency and credibility of clubs. Point three, placing the necessary importance on the protection of creditors by ensuring that clubs settle their liabilities with players, HMRC and other clubs punctually. Point four, introducing more discipline and rationality in clubs, football, finances, etc, 
etc etc but point five is the one in West Brom's case that that really rings alarm bells encouraging clubs to operate on the basis of their own revenues Mm. (laughs) encouraging (laughs) encouraging yeah that's encouraging yeah yeah right well we've got a we've got a special guest on lads at uh in about two to three minutes so we should uh no chance with you guys and the the news headlines that you read let's let's let's, we'll get into club headlines uh straight after that as well but we do have a special guest coming in to the show uh ted one of your close friends i believe I'll say close friend. I know Kieran very well. He's a he's a writer for the Daily Mail. He's been there for about nine, ten years now. A very, very well respected football writer. I thought basically we could do with a little bit more class on the show. So obviously oh. better than Kieran. Well, you know, there's there's only there's only radio dad who's middle class here. The rest of us are just working class scum. Yeah. He's yes, a boy dragged up in Priestfields, a council estate in Middlesbrough. There you go. He's, he's, he's monocle shot out there. <laughs> so yeah, Kieran, uh, Kieran's a very, very talented writer. Uh, he's, he's well respected. He's, he's actually one of the nicest guys you, you'll meet as well. But Kieran also wrote uh, a fantastic book called The Beautiful Game and the Ugly Truth. Uh, it was released last year. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. This is all to do with a subject that we've already discussed before, actually. It's the link between football and dementia. Um, he's, he's got a lot of praise for this book, so we're going to talk to him a little bit about that. And his beloved Hartlepool United as well. I know somebody in the national press who supports a local team in non-league football, whatever next. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have a little chat to Kieran about all things footy. But before that, we've got to get through the small matter, not so small matter, of the club headlines. You ready, Steve? I am. Here we go. Magpies and Proud. Mags News. Newcastle United take on PSG in their penultimate Champions League group game at the Parc de France tonight at 9 o'clock. Sean Longstaff and Joe Willock didn't travel, giving Eddie Howe plenty of food for thought for his team's selection in Paris tonight. PSG manager Luis Enrique is warning Newcastle United that his side will approach tonight's Champions League fixture like it's a cup final. The two sides go head-to-head in the crucial Group F fixture that will see Newcastle's hopes of progressing through to the knockout stages extinguished with a defeat. The Magpies trail their second-place opponents by two points and no positive result will set up an exciting final round of fixtures against AC Milan next month with everything to play for. Enrique knows all too well about Newcastle's threat with Eddie Howe's men thumping his team 4-1 in the earlier fixture. Eddie Howe opted to train in Paris ahead of tonight's match, which was a change to previous matches in Germany and Italy. Howe was asked why he'd opted to do this at yesterday's press conference yesterday and he explained that it was a change of feeling and a different routine. You never know how these things affect your performances. We're looking for an improvement, which is why we've done what we've done today. Some players might want it or need it and prefer it. It also gave the players more time with their families at home it gave them time to pinch a few hours. Uh, we're trying something different this time. That's your Newcastle United headlines this Tuesday morning. Smoggies and proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Hope you're all fantastic, safe and well on this Tuesday morning. We do have football to watch tonight. Middlesbrough will be taking on Preston at the beautiful Riverside Stadium. Michael Carrick had his press conference yesterday and said, unfortunately, Marcus Force is now going to be out for some time. However, Riley McGree could be back in a few weeks. However, given the amount of time Riley has missed both on the pitch and off the pitch, Carrick was not able to give an actual time frame 
of when he could be back on the grounds. It will take a little while to get him back to match fitness, Carrick said. Talking about the result from Bristol, even though it was only on Saturday, the championship moves quickly and he was quick to move on from what was a disappointing result. Carrick said Borough are coming undone by moments rather than whole periods when losing their defensive capabilities. Carrick was quick to remind reporters how well certain players have done and have been, albeit a bad loss. He knows consistency is needed to get where they want to as a team. And reports coming out today that Borough might be interested in a new striker come January. Middlesbrough are apparently keen on Brandon Vasquez, a 25-year-old US international who's been performing well for current club FC Cincinnati, scoring 42 goals and providing 15 assists. It's reported that Middlesbrough won't be the only club clean to secure his services, however, but it does align with the other reports that Middlesbrough will be making a striker their priority come January. And finally, Michael Carrick spoke of his memories and enormous respect for Terry Venables and all he achieved in the game after the news of his passing on the weekend, which is greatly sad in Michael Carrick. Carrick said that a type of coach he was and the type of person he was has shone through with all of these tributes. It really was a sad day for everyone connected with the club and for football in general. Euro 96 was an incredible time to be a young boy supporting England and he was a massive part of that. So we go on to Preston, we put it all behind us and we look forward to an incredible result tonight at the Riverside. Mackhams and Proud, Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. There's no goal-scoring worries for Sunderland AFC under-18s who claimed all three points in the Premier League Cup on Saturday with a 3-0 win against Stoke City. Goals from Tommy Watson, you'd need to get on the club's official Instagram to see his worldie of a solo goal. Tom Lavery and Josh Robinson sealed victory at the Academy of Light. In the other group fixture, uh, Brighton and Leicester finished 3-3, meaning the Young Black Cats stay in third, just three bang points behind the Foxes. The weekend fixture was the first of a double header against the Potters, with the league fixture being played this weekend once again at the Academy of Light. That's a 3pm kickoff and maybe more chance of seeing goals scored in the Sunderland shirt. Sunderland skipper Luke 9 has insisted that young Joe Bellingham is as much of a leader as he himself is for the Black Cats. The 29-year-old stressed that his side have a really good base of young players which needs to grow for a good future for the football club. 9 claimed, having those players like Job and the young players, they've got to see themselves as leaders. They have to impact the game, they've got to set the values on the squad day in, day out in training. Slowly we are getting a really, really good base and we have to keep growing that. Bellingham, 18 of course, has been an important player on Mowbray's side this season and the club will be looking to keep hold of his qualities for a long time to come. And finally, Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray is excited to welcome back a special player in Chris Rigg after he returns from representing England at the Under-17s World Cup. Mowbray admitted he remains wowed by the 16-year-old and not just by his talent. When he gets back, he'll be back involved with us training hopefully this week. We'll of course see how he is and how he feels, how much the travelling and the games have taken out of him. He'll be back involved with us when he's ready, he deserves it. I've said it a lot, we have a lot of talented young players come train with us, but he's just a little bit special. I put that down to not just his talent, but his amazing attitude, which sets him aside a bit. He's got no fear, not just of training with the first team, but competing and engaging. Nice to have you back, Riggy. And that's your headlines for Sunday. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North but no hardly pool headlines. No pooly news. Fellas, we've let no pooly news. We've let our guest down. Big time. We have a bit, haven't we? <laughs> Kieran joins us we... now. Morning, mate. Hiya guys, how are you? Morning, mate. I'm good, mate. Good, how are you? 
Morning, Kieran. I'm very, I'm very well, thank you. Maybe I, I should have prepared your... Yeah, exactly. I know where you're going with this. We should have got Kieran to read out the Hartlepool news. That's what we should have done. I know, I should have prepped it better. I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry I let you down there. Oh, there's, there's nothing ever going on with Hartlepool. Just, just ongoing disappointment, I'm afraid. So that's the headline. I had a look at the table just before we come on, just to familiarise myself. And it's, yeah, I think this season's pretty much over. It's going to be mid-table obscurity, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, where? I mean, where? What? I'm trying to think what Hartlepool are famous for, apart from our monkey mascot and Jeff Stelland, because we've never won a trophy in our history. So, so I think I mean at the minute I'll take mid table. That'll do. Just get this season over with. I know I'm saying that before Christmas, but <laughs> but you look at what's happening. I mean, you look at what's happening with Wrexham and all that, and you just you can't help feeling jealous. Mm. Yeah. Well, it could have been you. Yeah. Could have been you. Well, it, it, could have been, should have been, because yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know the story. Yeah. Um, about how, yeah. Uh, about how they approached us first before Wrexham. Uh, but our owner Raj Singh just didn't. I don't think he took too kindly to the way they went about about it. You know, there was a bit of secrecy about these two super rich American investors, and in the end, <laughs> said no deal. So yeah, well, who, you know who. Who needs the series on Disney Plus and sponsorship with TikTok <laughs> and Hollywood? <laughs> nah, who needs that? We, we don't want that. But there's, there's a silver lining yeah. to every cloud, mate. From a Hartlepool perspective, you could be in Darlington's position. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's still that's still probably my favourite day in football. The day we went to Darlow and we won three nil, and Effie and Williams scoring a great volley. Oh, that's one of my best days ever. But unfortunately, that that's how sad it is. That's when your best day as a Hartlepool fan is when you beat Darlow three 0 <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh no! It's, it's sad times. I'm looking. Do you know what? I'm looking at the National League. There's actually a, a lot of ex-league clubs in there. It's quite a competitive Ooh, division. Yeah. It's uh, it's no wonder. You know, you you got Rochdale in eighth. You got Aldershot there. Gateshead, obviously. You know, previously been the league. Barnet, Chesterfield. It's some it's some league that actually isn't it? It's no wonder it's pretty difficult to get out of. It's so hard to get out of. Like when we got out the first time a few years back, and you sort of like right, I'm glad that's behind us. Let's just let's just make sure we stay in league two. I don't care about going up. Let's just get stable. But then obviously one thing led to another, and we ended up dropping down. But now it's just. I mean, Chesterfield are running away with that. I think they're on course to beat Wrexham's yeah. Yeah. points total. Um, and I was actually I, I was at Chesterfield's game um, last last week uh, when they went to where did they go? Uh, <laughs> I should remember this. I was actually there. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, it gets like that on this show, mate. It South gets like that every day on this show. Sorry, yeah. So uh, yeah, I went to Southend just to do a bit of a feature. They let me yeah. behind the scenes and all that because because of what's going on at Southend with their new owners. Um, and everyone just thought Chesterfield were just going to roll them over, and then Southend ended up winning, but. I mean, Chesterfield are going to run away with it. They're going to get the promotion. Yeah. And then hopefully Gateshead get up. If Hartlepool can't get up, let's get Gateshead up. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be nice to see another North East team back in the league where they belong. You know, it's it's kind of, it is a bit of a miss. You mentioned Darlington. I know it's the sworn enemy and all that sort of thing. But I remember the days of, you know, you look at that little bit further down the league, your Carlisles, your Hartlepools, your Darlingtons, it's all that. And it kind of makes up that northeast family of teams. It's, it, do you think we're, we're far away from getting that back, Kieran, or, or, or do you think it's almost gone now that those days? Uh, well, I hope so, because I mean, I know you know we like 
I'm a Hartlepool former season ticket holder and all that. Obviously, I don't have one now that I live down south, but I, I, I don't actually mind Darlow. You know, it's fake outrage. You know, oh, we hate them. Oh, you know. <laughs> Fake, you know, but we, you know, we, but deep down, I actually, I love all, I love all things northeast. I want to see, I want to see Burr and Sutherland back in the Premier League. You know, and yeah, like, it's like, like I'm, my granddad, who was the man who made me fall in love with footy, he always, he developed dementia, and then, but even after he got dementia, if I mentioned Sunland, who he supported, he'd start talking about yeah. the 1973 FA Cup final and he'd start saying, oh, I went to every game home and away that season and, and then it, I think the tickets for the final must have been done via a lottery because he couldn't get a ticket. So he missed the, oh, right. that was the only game he missed that season, the FA Cup final. But the next season, when Newcastle got there, he entered the lottery and he got a ticket to the 1974 <laughs> FA Cup final to go and watch Newcastle. And he was sort of like, yeah, like you know, Sunderland and Newcastle supposed to hate each other, but he was just like, North East team was in the final. I just wanted to go and support them. So, yeah. so, so I'd, 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 I quite like that the North East has, obviously not everyone will agree with me. I think the North East has a bit of a family feel between the, between the clubs. I know not everyone will agree with me, but that's just the way I see it. I, I don't. It's fake outrage for me. Do you know, it's an interesting one, that. It's, it's, it's a really interesting one because prior to me going into the media, um, I was, you know, and I am a Borough fan through and through, cut me in half and you'll see B-O-R-O inside me like a stick of rock. Um, but, you know, I didn't like Sunderland. I didn't like Newcastle. It was all, I didn't like Leeds when we look further south as a smoggy. Um, you know, Hartlepool and Darlington, no problems with because they were never in our division. Um, but then, then I, I got the job with Sky and was the North East football reporter and suddenly I'm dealing day in, day out with Newcastle and Sunderland and, you know, occasionally I go down to Leeds and but but the Newcastle and Sunderland side suddenly it's, you know, it's left me in a position where it's like obviously I want the Borough to do the best. That's my team, of course. Come to, come to a Derby Day battle and there's only one winner in my eyes, that has gotta be. But I don't wish Sunderland and Newcastle ill. You know, it'd be great to see yeah. the three of us back in the Premier League and and so I get it. I get what you're saying, even though it's this Pooley Darlow thing as well. Uh, that you've you know, maybe not a soft spot. That's probably one step too far. But you know, you would like to see Darlow back, probably back in National League, so you can have a bit of a derby battle revisited, and then possibly back in the Football League. I'd love to see all five back up there. Yeah, well, when you don't have much to shout about as a Hartlepool fan, I'd love to go to Darlow and, <laughs> and do them all. There. So you know that's. You know, but, but I don't. I don't want to see them go down. I want to see them come up. I want to see them be in our league. I don't want to see them above us. Don't get me wrong. But I want to see them in our league, but still beneath us. If you get me, it's the right mentality. <laughs> it's the right mentality to have. I'm. I'm the same. I've always been the same about North East football. If Newcastle, Sunderland, and Middlesbrough in the Premier League, you want to see your team at the, above them. But it's good for North East football. I miss the derby games. I really I'm, do. And I mean, I've. I've been lucky enough to be a. a Virtually, well, every Newcastle Sunderland derby since, since you know since I started going to the football matches, and um, I've also had the pleasure of going to Hartlepool Darlington in the past with with my granddad, who was a referee assessor back in the day, um, and I mean that's as feisty as Newcastle Sunderland. Um, you know, back in the day in the eighties when I went to see them play, that was in the days when you used to walk the, the Hartlepool fans used to walk around the the, the pitch and change ends at half time, and uh, that led to some interesting scraps in the uh, in the terraces. Never mind on the pitch, but. Uh, <laughs> I think these are good times for the North. I mean, I know we're talking about this family feel sort of in the North East. I'm sure there's a lot less people who like Newcastle at the minute. Obviously, 
maybe tinted with jealousy a little, you know, because, I mean, whether you think the owners are... And that's all right. Even... That's all right to feel that. Because <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle are just... They're a force to be reckoned with now, I think. You know, because, I mean, back in the day, I heard... I remember when I was first starting out in journalism and I was speaking to different people and they were telling me these rumours about how in the past foreign players who were getting approached by Newcastle were being told, yeah, come to Newcastle, it's lovely, it's only an hour from London. You know, they handily, they handily left out the part that they'd have to get a private jet to make it in that time. But but like now, Newcastle don't need to tell fibs. They can get they can get whoever they, they want if they want to pay the money. And I mean, you know, that comes with a bit of jealousy from clubs around them. But I don't hold much ill will to anyone in the northeast. I'm a Hartlepool fan. We threaten no one. <laughs> <laughs> That's both the sweetest Kieran, and the saddest thing I think I've ever heard. Kieran, <laughs> Kieran it's right uh, here from Australia, mate. Hope you're well. I just wanted to ask you, obviously, with Hartlepool. When I was watching, I've, I've keep a close eye on them. I, I do, uh, you know, with the with the watch-alongs and stuff like that, have a few Pooleys fans that are, that you know, sort of seem to follow Borough pretty closely as well. But uh, I thought John Askey was actually the right man for the job. And I think Raj Singh actually got that one right. But I think it's being undone by what he's doing in terms of tactical-wise. I mean, you had Nicky Featherstone return, which was a great get. Uh, you've had a few uh, Borough loanees go through there now as well. Uh, do you think it's John Askey and his, you know, and his tactics? Is that what's letting you down, or is it still Raj, Raj's, you know, the chairman policies and and how he's going about running the club? Yeah, because I mean, obviously, I don't get to watch Hartlepool much anymore, unfortunately, because I I rely on my dad's um, opinion from when he goes because he's still a season ticket holder, um, so I speak to him after every game, and my dad's actually one of the more optimistic fans. I think he. He doesn't. He doesn't mind it too much, but obviously, I, I know fan frustration has been grown towards John Askey. And when he was appointed, I think we were all like, "That's all right. We'll we'll take that because he, you know, he, he's done all yeah. right. He's done all right elsewhere. And you know, we're not going to attract a massive name." Um, and but then it's sort of like I feel like it's a bit difficult because obviously we're so used to watching footy on TV and everyone's playing out from the back, and that seems to be the norm in football. And that's how. That is the definition of pretty football nowadays. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we're not going to get that at Hartlepool. You know, we're not, that's not the way we do it. I'm used to watching the ball go up in the sky and come back down with, you know, icicles on it because it's gone so high. <laughs> so I, I think we just need to, I just think we need to be more clinical and not so foolish. You know, we can't go to the bottom of the table and, and throw away a lead like we have. So it's, yeah, I, I don't think John Askey's going to be going anywhere because um, I haven't seen anything to the contrary. So, but yeah. I get the frustration because you know we we're back in non-league. We don't want to be in non-league, and you want the person who who can actually get you out of there. And I just wish we never lost Dave Chandler, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, big loss for the for the club that like Kieran I, I want to just talk about the book very briefly you've, you've already kind of touched on the subject as well as uh, I mean a fantastic book and for, for your first one what a massive important subject area to go for so what what was the thinking behind that because obviously you know you, you sit down you go right I'm going to write myself my first book and you throw yourself into something as serious as that uh, and you mentioned your granddad already was that kind of like the uh, the the catalyst in writing that yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I can't believe you're saying book and not book, because uh, my <laughs> wife always takes my 
my wife, who's obviously from down south, she um, she takes the mick out of me all the time because I say, like, oh, should I get the coop book and see what I should make tonight? But yes. We've sanitised him, mate. Don't worry, we've sanitised him to get him on this show. I told you I'm the classy one, Kieran. Everyone from the North East says it like this. No, oh, she's not going to believe me now. But yes, the book, it actually, it came, I sort of had this. It sounds wrong, but I had this sort of sick fascination with dementia because my granddad developed it, and I wanted yeah. to investigate and find out why people got it. And then I was looking more into it, and studies were coming out. Footballers are so much more likely to develop it than than the, the person in the stands, for example. You know, like mm-hmm. in 2020, Bobby Charlton became the fifth player from the 1966 England team to be diagnosed with dementia, and obviously we've sadly lost Bobby recently. Um, yeah. And I sort of, I just wanted to, I wanted to find out why a football is developing so much more. And I mean, it, you know, you could probably make your own judgment. It's all the subconcussions from heading, but then proving that through, you know, scientific studies is, has always been a bit, has always been a bit difficult. And I sort of took on this project. Wife wasn't too happy because I did it alongside the day job. Took more than a year out of my life. Uh, and they're quite depressing <laughs> days when you're speaking to former footballers with dementia and the families and and how you know footballers are playing sort of like a game of cognitive Russian roulette sort of thing like I spoke to yeah. Jimmy Robson who's a lovely man from Pelton in County Durham uh, he played for Burnley won the first division title in 1960 uh, and yeah. of that team he he was the seventh player to develop dementia and the other six had died so I went and met him wow. and oh, yeah. I, and accent was as thick as ever, lovely guy, sitting in his favourite chair at his care home and all that. Uh, and after Nobby Stahl's uh, death was announced, uh, he was asked what he thought of it all. And he said, uh, it makes me very sad because I might end up getting it too. You know, unaware he'd had it for five years. He'd been under its spell oh, wow. for so long already. Yeah. Um, but then suddenly when you talk about football with... This is what I found with certain former footballers with dementia. When you start talking about football... The memories come flooding back. It's it's bizarre. It's a bit like you know that yeah. video clip that went viral of the chap with dementia who could suddenly play Beethoven beautifully on the piano. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yes. And it, I found that it's sort of as if their passion sort of unlocks memories. And it was the same for my granddad. I'd speak about son. He might he wouldn't know what he had for breakfast that day. He didn't know his age or where he was. He might not even know his name. But if you spoke about Sunderland, he'd, his eyes would light up. And it was sort of the same with. Yeah with Jimmy as well and they sort of made up the intro to my book where I sort of explained uh, why I wrote it because my granddad was offered a trial with Burnley uh, but his mum told him he had to stay home and be an earner for the family so he stayed down the coal mines in uh, Horden Colliery um, in County Durham but so he yeah. could have been a teammate of Jimmy's uh, but you know one was a footballer the other one wasn't a professional footballer but they both ended up getting dementia so I sort of just wanted I wanted to find out why why it seems footballers are so much more likely to develop dementia. And personally, I, my conclusion after years of looking into it, I think it's the sub-concussions from constantly heading footballers, which they don't need to practice that in training. I think football should outlaw that. No, no. So, well, I mean, we, we had a, a guest on, uh, Paul Frost, a, a few weeks back, 
who's produced a film. Uh, remind me, Dave, what's the film called? Because my it, uh, that's gone from me now. Uh, I was in the billion dollar game. Um, that's it. The it, billion that's dollar gonna game. Be the, that's going to yeah. be the cost of football um, for for yeah. you know assisting all these players who uh, subsequently developed dementia. But uh, Paul worked very I closely think. with Bill Gates and Bill Gates's family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, uh, yeah. Yeah. Judith Gates. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I think she she was yeah, very involved the one. in all because I I actually played in that uh, game last year. All right. Yeah. Maybe the year before the no know, heading the game. game. The no heading game, where I, I remember we were playing and uh, I remember the ball went up in the air after about forty seconds and Mark Tinkler jumped up and headed it back because he just he just got into auto mode. He just mm. forgot that he wasn't allowed to head the ball. Um, the former Hartlepool defender naturally balls in the air. He's going to go up and stick his forehead on it. And he got uh, yes, the referee blew for a free kick because he headed the ball. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was cool. Yeah, I played in that game. Because <laughs> 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 I, I gave away a penalty. It was never a penalty. Hang on to it. But yeah, I, I played in that. I played in that game. I can't, I, I'm glad that it's getting more, more and more attention. Um, this subject because I think it. I think it deserves it. Football has a habit of sitting on its hands until it gets forced into making changes. Uh, and I think a line was drawn when a very big landmark study came out and said the footballer on the pitch is 3.5 times more likely to get dementia than the fan in the stands. Wow. So I think a line was drawn and football just hasn't really done anything about it. They're just sitting on their hands. Yeah, it's 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 going to come to a point where they have to, Kieran, without a doubt. Um the the book's absolutely brilliantly written, mate. You you know I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of your work anyway, and it's not just because I know your dad. Um, so and, and hello to John if he is listening as well. Um, so yeah, it it is a fantastically well written book, mate. Um, and how, how can we get our hands on it? Just just give you a little plug for yourself. Oh well, I'm sitting on a box of about fifty in my other room. So if you want a free one, no, no, it's on. It's on, it's on uh, That's the missus speaking. That. Get them out of the house before Christmas. Oh no! Well, I've got a, I've got a six month old at home. So once he starts playing with toys, he can just he can make houses out of them. You're not doing a great job at selling this, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking journalist, no, just... awful salesman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a loose I'll pipe in the it. toilet, it makes you great, it makes you great. <laughs> I'll put my salesman hat on. It's available on Amazon, five star reviews, and uh, with yes. each sale, I, I make a donation to charity. So, cool. to a dementia charity. There's a wonderful charity in the northeast which I'm doing a little bit of work with now which I'll be announcing at the start of next year but Dementia Matters in Brunswick and I've been up to see this uh, Dementia charity and it's, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, they're, they're always looking for help so maybe it might be worth you reaching out to them and, um, you know, maybe he's offering them a couple of books for them to raffle off or something like that because yeah. like most of these small charities, mate, they're self-sufficient. They, they don't get any help from the government and, and they rely heavily on, on people, you know, reaching out to them. So it's Dementia Matters. You'll be able to find them on uh, on the internet and maybe it's worth you just dropping them a, dropping them a message and, and, and offering maybe some help even just popping up to the centre and going to see the people because that's what I did the other week and um, it's uh, it's you know it, it, it's just nice to be able to do something put something back you know yeah yeah absolutely because I mean it was a bit you know it was a depressing two years but then sometimes you have to laugh or you cry because I mean I had it with my granddad when he was putting toothpaste on his head and and yeah. you know his, his his hair cream in his mouth sort of thing and like i went 
there was a there's a dementia care home in uh, Worcester, uh, where in 2020 they had you know this former fairground worker who was walking around shouting, "Come on, come on, hook your duck, uh, hook your duck," even I should say. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> and then there was an old army major marching up and down the corridor. And then the reason I'd sort of been alerted to this was there was a guy called Alf Woods who was just lovingly known as a football, and he was just. Walking around the corridors, always had a football in his hands or at his feet, just kicking it around, wanting to play a game with anyone. And it's uh, it's just quite sad what dementia takes takes from you, yeah. sort of thing. And I, th- I think if anyone could do anything to try and mm. help those dementia charities like that one, it wasn't like the dementia same. matters in Brunswick, um, then I think I think we should all do what we can. It wasn't the same Alfie Wood who used to play for Middlesbrough, was it? I'm assuming it's a different Alf Wood. Uh, he played for Man City, Shrewsbury, Millwall. Okay. Um, wow. It, I mean, obviously, it might have been it might have been a common name. Yeah, probably him, was. So I'm not sure probably if he, I'm not sure if he if he played. Yeah, for Tommy Middlesbrough. Cassidy's Tommy Cassidy's going through uh, exactly the same at the moment. A former Newcastle United player, one of the you know one of the the, the stars of the seventies, and he's going through exactly the same. I mean, he'd been up to he'd been up to the centre that I visited and um, it's just so sad as you say it's what it, it, it takes away the takes away the person and, it, and ultimately for the person who's suffering from from dementia they don't realise they're, they're in their own little bubble it's it's sadly it's the effect that it has on the, the support and family mm-hmm. well funny I've just found I've just found Alf Wood and he did he played for Borough it's um, the same Alf Wood there we go yeah he played for Borough yep I didn't want to keep you too long, Kieran, but I just wanted to ask, obviously, now that you've done all the research, you've looked into it, you've seen cases of it. In terms of the game that you see now being played in the Premier League and the Championship, is that is it something you want to see where heading is removed? Is it, Or is it something that you just think needs to be trained better? I mean, how do we help the current footballers of today uh, by, you know, in the future with, you know, with the heading of the ball? Yeah, I, I don't think it should be removed from the game itself. I think that would just make football... Pale imitation of what it is. Uh, I mean, you know, anyway, Premier League teams are passing it along the floor more than ever, so they don't actually head the ball as much now, anyway. But I don't think it needs to be practiced in training. Like I'm mates with uh, Chris Sutton, uh, former Blackburn uh, striker, you know, Celtic yep. striker, um, yep. and his his dad was also a professional footballer, and he died with dementia. And naturally, former footballers like Chris are worried because Chris tells me he estimates he headed 100 balls a week. Four weeks a year for 18 years, so that's 72,000 times he's headed a football wow. in his career, um, in tra- in training. And he, you know, naturally, people like Chris are concerned, but the damage is done for him now. He 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 just has to wait and see if he's one of the lucky ones or one of the desperately unlucky ones. And so I don't think heading should be taken out of the game itself because. It would just you know what would we do at corners, <laughs> for example? What yeah, what would yeah. happen? Um, but I I don't. If you're Sunderland, not score. <laughs> 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 well, I, I, I don't think it needs practicing and training. I I think yeah. if you can okay. if you can limit it uh, in training, and the FA did announce guidelines where they suggested they don't head the ball in training, but they're just guidelines. Teams are teams are going to disregard them if they want to, and they are. So it's. So it's uh, yeah, cut it out of training, to still keep it, it in yeah. the actual yeah. football matches, in my opinion. And, okay. and the big important thing we haven't asked is what's the name of the book? 
Uh, it's the beautiful game and the ugly truth. The beautiful game and the ugly truth. Get it uh, from Amazon uh, just by doing a quick search on uh, on on Bezos's place. <laughs> Kieran, thank yeah. you. Thanks, Kieran. No, no, thank thanks you. for thanks coming on. Be, be nice to have you on again yeah. to talk all things Hartlepool as well. I'll give you a brief and you can yeah. do some headlines with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. And, da- right, and, and don't worry, Darlow's on the way up. They, they're going to crawl, they're crawling, clawing themselves off the bottom, and they're, they're going to be up and join you in a couple of years to uh, to have that derby. So you'll get there. Kieran, thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers, thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks now. Bye bye. Thanks, Kieran. Uh, good guy, uh, friendly guy, poolie oh, fan as well. Lad. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and, uh, fantastic. And go, it go is and incredible, isn't it? It's incredible sweet, how we've seen it just coming into so much. Everything we saw, we've seen Bill Gates just recently, and obviously Kieran's now writing a book. But you know, it's it's there, isn't it? You know, these 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 older generation players that you know the amount of heading that they used to do back in the day. It was a different game, and you know the, the game different is different balls, these days. Or, obviously, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's incredible. Well, somebody see, like you know. You know how, is, is, about somebody as renowned as Chris Sutton actually really concerned about that. Yeah, you know, yeah. A, a guy who's yeah. a, a big target man of a striker as well, and to to hear him worried about that—that's that's that's serious stuff. And when it's when it becomes yeah, relevant wrong. with with players that that we know, not just you know from bygone generations, but you know the one that I would say is the the generation just before this. Um, that then it makes it more real. It makes it kind of right. Wow, this is definitely happening, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. Yes, Concerning. Yeah. Uh, what time is it? Oh, gone quarter to nine. We haven't done the sport yet. We'll do that now. And uh, and then be back with more football chat. From Yarm to Yibbe, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the two. And no mention of Dave or Daz there, I've noticed. So um, <laughs> we'll have to get that he's having breakfast out. with Cindy Law. We're going to have to get him in. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, yeah, yeah. He's but, hobnobbing it with superstars, and and I'm just going to go on strike. Call so. us if he's uh, having you, breakfast with her. Like you guys have got to sort out who's going to press the buttons because I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I'm telling you, that's it. I'm I'm gone. I'm out of here. Gonzo. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Well, we'll be interested to see how the show runs tomorrow then. But uh, lads, in the last 12 minutes or so, we are bringing it home to 9am here. Uh, I want to talk about Middlesbrough quickly tonight. We are in the Champions Champions League, no, the Championship, I should say, uh, taking on Preston back at the Riverside. Uh, after a pretty dismal loss on the weekend to Bristol City, Middlesbrough will be looking to bounce back very quickly. Uh, my pick is obviously we're going to lose Engel. Engel has got a twisted ankle after a bad twist on the weekend. In the sec- late in the second half, he is our left back, so he'll be replaced by Bangura. But I'm hoping that we see the return of the bald eagle in Matty Clark. Matty Clark is a Brighton centre-back that has been missing about 12 months, 13 months of football due to a severe back injury, uh, and it's just come back. He's been on the bench now for the past four or five games. I'm hoping that we can see a run-out for Matty Clark and obviously the return of Joshy Coburn up front. I'm going for a tough, tough win here tonight, lads. Uh, I think, obviously, Middlesbrough's defensive uh, capabilities are going to be pushed again. It'll be 6.45 a.m. my time. Uh, obviously, a 7, a 6, a, excuse me, 7 p.m. kickoff, obviously local time, but I'll be up for it, watching the Borough and hoping that we can get one up on Preston. Every game for the next Borough's five games will be teams that are above them in the championship. So it's a real test this December. And obviously, we've got a Carabao Cup fixture in there as well. But Preston is no slouch. 
Uh, they are up there for a reason in the championship, and they're going to be a very tough test. But these are the teams that we need to beat if we want to get to where we want to go. Preston currently sitting in six on 28th points, with Middlesbrough in 20, sorry, in 12 on 24 points. So a game we need to win uh, if we want to show our credentials again and obviously just show how, Dave, we can get back to our defensive nature, obviously showing what we did at Leicester. But uh, I think the goals are always there for us. It's just a matter of keeping them out. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, the last couple of games, I was thinking, oh, that's good. About taking the last game out of the equation. You know, signs of improvement at the back. We're not leaking as many goals. And then wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, we did three Plymouth. <laughs> we we did three at Bristol City. And it's like, oh, no, we still haven't cured that problem. Um, it, look, it's no surprise to Borough fans. We've been leaking goals for the last 18 months. Um, yeah. we've gone through the differences between last season and this season last season it didn't matter as leaking goals because we had the fire, firepower up front to stick more in at the other end um, turning into yeah. a bit of a, a Keegan-esque entertainers type team um, this season it's different we don't have that firepower we are rebuilding and um, and we're getting caught out. You know, I'm, I'm a bit concerned. That 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 result at the weekend's got me concerned. Now, I did ask the question yesterday to you. You know whether you're fearful that the borough might not make the playoffs this year. Yeah. And and that's my fear. I just don't see yeah. us having enough firepower up front or stopping the leaking of the goals at the back. That's that's giving me the confidence I'd need to know we're going to finish in the top six. So, I think yeah. tonight is an interesting one. I've been saying for the last two weeks, this is now the spell, the defining spell of Borough's season. It's come early. It's normally Christmas, New Year period for most clubs. This one has come early for the Borough just because of the amount of fixtures we've got and and the concentration of teams who are up in the higher reaches. Um, and out of all of those games, I wouldn't have thought Bristol City was the one we'd have lost, but we did. Yeah, yeah. Now, it is interesting. It's going to be a big test of our defending defensive capabilities tonight once again and that's the one you know when you asked me yesterday what are the worries my worries are you know how how we can you know be promoted with the current defensive worries we've got ted obviously uh championship connoisseur uh preston v middlesbrough give us a prediction and a, a quick preview into what you think is going to go down tonight it's, it's a very tough game right to be honest i mean we went down to deep deal um and we we played them off the park and come away getting beat um they are a team that will dig deep they're, they're a physical team and and the one thing that's going to worry you even more I know obviously those defensive frailties is something that, that we've talked about a few times now um, and, and I would be concerned if Sunderland were facing them at this point in time because Preston uh, 56% of their goals this season in the Championship have come from set pieces uh, so free kicks yeah, corners yeah. penalties uh, yeah they, like they are they are very very well organised um, That you know they're up there for a reason they're not a, they're not a, a scintillating sight to watch by any means. Um, think of them as is is stalking different coloured shirts. As uh, is probably mm. the best way I'd put it. Um, yeah, very physical side mid. I think it'll be a tough one. I think you'll stop the rot. I, th I think you you'll, I think you'll get a draw out of it. Um, which, to be honest, given where Preston are, given the sort of team they are, and where you guys are with injuries and your defensive situation, I think coming out of that with like a two-all draw tonight, I, I think your strikers will score. I think I'll get some joy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the draw for you tonight, mate. Okay. And Stevie, yeah, obviously, uh, you've got pressing matters more to watch tonight, but obviously, Borough v Preston. Any thoughts on the result for the mighty Borough? 
Yeah, I agree with Ted. I think it's going to be a tight game for you, but I don't think you're going to get beat. Um, I've been the kiss of death on both Sunderland and Middlesbrough in recent predictions, but I think a draw is probably the best result for for, for Borough tonight. It, 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 you know, get yourself back on the horse, um, stop the rot. I'm going to go for 1-1 as opposed to 2-2. Ooh, okay. Well, I'm going for a 2-1 victory to Middlesbrough in what will be a tough affair. Over to Newcastle, obviously, to of in the Paris. Uh, Steve gave us his best French impression earlier. If you need to hear that, you can catch the podcast later on. It was a doozy. Uh, we're going for a Newcastle uh, victory. Obviously, here, lads, I think I'm going to say that Newcastle are probably going to take a 3-1 victory here tonight. I think wow. PSG just won't expect it, and I think Newcastle are up and about scoring goals for fun. Their high press is just going to cause PSG issues, just like we saw. And I just think, you know, there's only one man they need to stop, and it's Mbappe. And if they do that and they do that well, uh, I think they'll come away with a victory. Over to you, Ted the Mackham. And be careful because your best mate, Geordie, is listening. Uh, what is the prediction for tonight's Champions League affair? I'm going, I'm going, I am actually going to go for, for a Newcastle win. Um, I, I do think they've got enough. Look, Newcastle play against a better standard of opposition week in, week out. And that's that's the, the big talent point for me. I, I think it'll be a slightly tighter affair than what you're suggesting, Roy. I'm going to go for a 2 1 win to the Geordies. Ooh, in the hope that this Steve, is my new obviously, curse. <laughs> Steve, obviously, your club, uh, obviously, high hopes. What's the prediction there, mate? And how do you think the game's going to go? At- I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be a draw, and I think the the other game will be a draw, and I think Newcastle will go into the final game, having to uh, having to beat AC Milan at at St James's. So I'm going to go for two two. I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be an exciting game tonight. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, I just I just think a two two draw and uh, all to play for in the final group game. Dave, the Champions League, our ex-referee who wants to see as many refereeing decisions tonight go to the VAR. Uh, what are we seeing in terms of Newcastle, uh, PSG from your eyes, mate? I think uh, uh, the heart says I'd love uh, Newcastle to pull something out of the game. I just get the thing. I just get the feeling PSG will turn up tonight. Uh, I'm going for two one Frenchy win. Uh, and for the borough, Ooh. I'm fearful. Um, I don't know how far this slide's going to take us. Uh, I'm going to hold out hope that we stop the rot. And uh, and it's a one niller for the borough, but um, I am concerned. One niller. It's a dear fancies of Frenchy. Oh, it'll be interesting. Like. <laughs> <laughs> couple, of, couple of messages. And there he is. The there man. he is. Oh, he's the superstar. Because <laughs> <right now>. <laughs> he's the well, fame of the North East Stevens. We all bow in his presence. Thy Daz, thy senior radio presenter. How are you, mate? Good morning. I'm very well. Good morning, chaps. Great show yet again this morning. How are we all doing? Well, well we're, we're, we're ticking yeah. it, We're just obviously in awe of your presence. You know, Teesside's Pat Sharp. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a moniker I've tried to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Does your last know about oh. moniker? <laughs> hey, a uh, couple of quick messages, Daz, fellas. Before we go, well, we, before we go, I just wanted to get Daz' quick prediction on the borough tonight right, and okay. Newcastle for us. Yeah, I, I think I think we're going to. Uh, I think it's going to be a one-one. For the borough, I think we're. It's that's where be, my that's where my head yeah, was telling me. Yeah, yeah. which which I'd be all right with. I'd be, uh, yeah. I mean, I'd, obviously, I want to want us to get the win, but I think after after Bristol, I, I share your fears, Dave. You know, uh, so I, I'm I think a one-one, and I think PSG will be too much for Newcastle. Um, I'm going for two 0 
Sorry, Steve. Well, you're full of good cheer, aren't you? I know, yeah. Hello, morning. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jazzy on the radio after this. It's yeah. Sunina, stand you up. <laughs> <laughs> just, just got out of bed with a sound man, that's what's happened. A couple of quick messages. Danny's been on, love the shows, lots of fun. Presenters really work well together. Don't know about that, like. I mean, we yeah. make it as we go along. You should see Thanks, the fisty after, after we come off air, yeah. And, uh, and, and a semi serious one from Kenny. He wanted to make a point, but came through too late into the studio about the discussion we had with Kieran. Uh, with all the footballers suffering uh, from heading the ball, how far down the leagues does this go? Uh, is the average any higher than any other profession? Maybe that's something we can uh, we can get an answer to from Kieran mm. uh, if we put those okay. points to him, Kenny, and we'll come back to you on that one. So uh, that's it, fellas. We're done and dusted. Daz is up next with all his mid-morning nonsense. Yay, hey. Daz. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's superstar Daz. Uh, uh, din- dinner date with uh, anybody special? Uh, no, no, I, I, no, no. I have got Tommy Cannon on the show this week. The one oh, there you go. I'm starting to think. Uh, Rock on, Tommy. Exactly. Danny told me that he passed, he passed up a date with Danny Minogue. I'm starting to think it was actually you, Daz. I think you stole the story, didn't you? Right? <laughs> Brilliant stuff, fellas. We'll catch you tomorrow. Have a great. See you in a bit, everybody. Bye. Bye. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill. Swarwell to Silverlink. The Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat.